Hello, welcome back to this week's episode of Husky Talk. We are your hosts, Aubrey, Allie, and Emily. Aubrey? Aubrey, Allie, and Emily. And today we are interviewing Iditarod finisher Aaron Peck. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Welcome to the welcome to the show, and thank you for taking the time out of your day to be here with us. Oh, you're very welcome. So, our first part of the show, we are going to test your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod trivia questions for you. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Who won the first Iditarod? The first? Yeah. Yeah, Dick Wilmarth. Good job. Who has won the most Iditarods? Rick Swenson. Good, Good job. job. Who founded the Iditarod? Joe Reddington Sr. Oh, yeah. How many dogs can a musher start with this year? Fourteen. Good job. What is the name of the award given to the musher that finishes last? The Red Lantern. Yes, you got all of them right. Good job. <laughs> so now we're going to be asking you some questions. Did anything inspire you to start racing? And if so, who or what? You know, when I was uh, a kid growing up, uh, the Iditarod was covered on BBC Wide World of Sports, and um, it was pretty cool how Susan Butcher was uh, winning multiple races back in the late 80s. And, um, yeah, the competition, I guess, there was uh, Martin Booster was definitely um, somebody I saw to look up to just by following the race. He was uh, seemed to, you know, show really good sportsmanship and good um, – dog care um that's when i was a kid growing up so that that inspired me that's cool can you tell us how you prepared for this year's race how i prepared well um it was very challenging um in hindsight i didn't not prepare well enough and um it was a lot of you know i have uh Training. I was training in Yellowknife Northwest Territories for most of the season, but then I did part of my final training in Grand Prairie, Alberta, where I live. And then we have to tra- we have to travel uh, all the way to Alaska, so it was challenging to um, prepare the dogs properly uh, given the logistics of where I live. That's cool. Talk to us about what your strategy was for this year's race. My strategy, um, well, with uh, every musher uh, considers very seriously their their running and resting ratio, uh, not only for the whole race, but especially in the first couple days of the race, uh, the first two days of the race, you have to really think hard about how you're going to, uh, how much you're going to rest your dogs, how long to run them. So my strategy was... um, kind of somewhere in the middle I wasn't going to overrun I wanted to make sure we had enough rest but I still I wanted to beat a rainy pass checkpoint by um before the heat of the day set in on the second day of the race so that would have been around noon but um so I I did uh I just balanced the running and resting accordingly um yeah it was a really warm race too so it uh I didn't go as far on the first run as I normally would have, but in hindsight, you look back, 
you second guess all these decisions and probably do something different next year. <laughs> yeah, well, you did a good job. Oh, well, thank you. We, we tried our best, but, um, yeah, it was uh, challenging for uh, my team dealing with the, the warm weather. We trained in a lot of minus 30 degree temperature this year. And when we got to Alaska, it was plus. Um, yeah, it was uh, really warm, and that took its toll on my team, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Are you happy with your placement in this year's race? Um, I'm proud that we finished. Uh, we overcame, um, you know, the fact that we were down to seven dogs uh, in Gray Lane, which was really early to be down to seven dogs. It was... Uh, it looked pretty certain several times that we were going to have to scratch from the race, but um, we uh, held on to finish, so I'm proud that we finished, but um, overall, I'm not happy with our placement. Um, I really feel the talent in the team was capable of placing higher. We had hopes of being in the top 20, for sure, but that didn't happen. So I see. Can you tell us what you felt when you got the Herbie Nyakapuk Award? Oh, that was really funny because um, I didn't expect that. That was a real surprise. And I am really honored to get the award. And um, But I actually was talking to my wife at the time when they were um, presenting the award, and then I heard my name called, and I'm like, what? And... Um, I've always known about the Herbie Nyack Puck Award, but I kind of, I had drawn a blank uh, for the the reason for the award. And so when I went up on stage, I felt a little caught off guard because, yeah, it was uh, a surprise. And for, you know, the Herbie Nyack Puck Award is about, um, you know, just good attitude and um, being jovial on the trail and smiling and being polite to the checkers because that's what Herbie Nyack Puck um, was known for, you know, and that's why the award is there because he had such a, a wonderful attitude out there in all the years he used to, he's an Iditarod legend. And um, so I was really honored to receive that award. I didn't feel deserving though because, he, you know, in times during the race when it was really difficult for me, I didn't feel like I was being, um, well, I, I guess I was being polite and courteous and kind, but I uh, sometimes didn't feel that way inside. Uh, when you're down to seven dogs and you think your race is going to be over and you, you feel more like crying than you do smiling. It was, um, so yeah, that was a surprise to get that award. And uh, I'm really honored to, to have received it. So it means a lot to me. Yeah, you really deserved it. Thank you. Are you thinking about doing the Iditarod next year? I would love to run the Iditarod again next year. I would like to get back. I hope they run the Northern route. That would be, I haven't run the Northern route since my first Iditarod way back in the year 2000. So to see a new trail um, that I'm not as familiar with. Um, and to continue our pursuit of uh, being competitive in the race. I, I really feel we've got a lot to uh, offer and we've got really good dogs that are capable of running in the front of the race, um, but obviously
obviously I need to do a better job in preparing them yeah. and then executing the race, of course, once you're in the race. So there's a lot to improve on, and I just, yeah, I uh, definitely want to come back. But it all depends on um, on the financial side of it. Uh, it's really challenging to, to recruit sponsorships, and uh, it's a very expensive uh, project to pursue. So we have to consider all things. And so I would say, yes, I want to be there, but... Uh, what you want and what is reality don't always align. So we'll have to see. Well, we hope to see you out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so too. Yeah. Are you going to do anything different to prepare? Different? Absolutely. Yeah. I have in mind. Um, I think most, um, I think it's in the nature of a lot of the Iditarod mushers to, uh, examine and re-examine and re-examine decisions they made and they want you know all of us want to do it better the next time even if you're a second place right so it's like what can i do different next year to improve so for me i will um focus on building uh maybe more speed in the team and bring maybe um yeah, I think if the team is trained, you know, to move at a slightly faster pace, um, choose dogs that can do that. And, but also um, just put them through uh, more challenging tests uh, before the race and just keep them, they almost need to be into a groove before they start the race. Uh, oftentimes, and I did draw teams, you know, it takes them 300 miles to figure out what's going on. And uh, for the dogs, for them to adjust to the, the schedule. And so that was my case this year. I think I need to be running the dogs more aggressively uh, before the race. So I'll do that next year, different for sure. Yeah. We heard you used to I work that for... that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. We heard you used to work for Martin Boozer. I did. Yeah, when I... Uh, was 18 years old. Um, I made a bold move and had the encouragement of my um, parents and to, you know, they felt, uh, you're not going to run the Iditarod living in Ontario, you need to go to Alaska. And so I connected with Martin Booster and the timing was perfect to be able to come up and, and be uh, a handler for Martin. So I worked for Martin for two years as a as a dog handler, and on the second year, I got to run um, his yearlings in the Iditarod. So, um, and those yearlings that I ran in the 2000 Iditarod, they were born the summer that I arrived in Alaska. So, that was a lot of fun. I raised them from puppies, and then uh, got to run them in the in their first Iditarod. So, it was it was an awesome experience for me at a young age. So, I was 20 years old when I ran my first race. That's really cool. Can you talk to us about how working with Martin Booster helped you prepare for the for the Iditarod? Uh, well, it's amazing how it um, comes around. This year, I actually had uh, the honor, and you know, to be near Martin quite a bit in the race. Uh, I was parked beside him in uh, Rainy Pass checkpoint. I, I saw him multiple times throughout the race. So. Uh, it's funny because when I met Martin years ago, he he had a young family, two young boys, and he was in his um, at that stage of his life. And now, 
I have two young kids, and it's uh, it's fun, and he's super encouraging. Martin taught me so much. Um, his attitude of, you know, just a, a no-quit attitude, um, believing in yourself to overcome adversity, just really positive. And uh, his dog care was incredible, you know. And so the habits I learned... Uh, from Martin when I was young, I still hold on to many of those habits to this day. Uh, things have changed. You know, I personalized a lot of things over the years, but I think it's important to learn good habits. And that's what I learned working for Martin was good habits, like good routine and good dog care practices and, and just um, really loving the dogs for their each individual dog, you know. Um, yeah, I definitely hold on to a lot of the lessons I learned back then. I try to. It's a long time ago, but I, I try to. Yeah, that's really cool. Is dog yeah, it's much? also cool to be near some of the other guys that um, worked for Martin uh, over the years, like Matt Failer is one who stands out. Uh, he worked for Martin um, also uh, after I was there. And I saw Matt Taylor quite a bit in this year's race, and so that's that's always fun uh, when you see um, you meet some of these guys that also work for Martin, and then we're all out on the trail together. It's, uh, I think Martin has left quite a legacy um, on Iditarod, not for himself, not just for himself, but for the people that he has uh, brought in to help encourage in the sport. So. Yeah, is dog mushing in your family, or is it something you just found interest in doing? Did I, did I grow up with mushing in my family? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I grew up on a little hobby farm. There was lots of animals around, but there was no sled dogs. And it was my um, keen interest in sled dogs. I was lucky enough to have parents that encouraged me to follow my passion. And so I was only 13 years old when I got my first group of dogs. They were an old group of dogs from a musher who was not wanting to take care of them anymore. And so... Um, no, it's not like my parents had dogs and I grew up into it. I started it on my own. They just, um, encouraged me. And so I started running my own dogs when I was 13 years old and I haven't looked back and it's been pretty cool. Yeah. So they've always supported me and without their support, I wouldn't have been able to, uh, it would have been a very different life path for me. Yeah. Nice. Do you operate your own dog kennel? Oh, I sure do. Well, we have our sled dogs, elevation sled dogs. We do long distance racing and we do, um, we also do sled dog tours. Um, this year we were operating sled dog tours in Yellowknife Northwest Territories. And um, we also have a dog boarding kennel called Elevation Dogs. And that's, um, um, that's our, our business at home, and we board pet dogs for people. And so, yeah, we, at any given time, we can have 100 dogs on our property. So, How many dogs do you have right now at this point? I own 70 dogs, and that takes into account um, probably 10 oldies, you know, dogs that are retired that are just loafing around <laughs> and they you know they don't uh, run anymore um so you know maybe 60 dogs left after that but then there's currently we have uh, eight puppies 
Um, so then you're down to, you know, 50 running dogs, but then 20 or so of those are yearlings that are just uh, helping with the sled dog tours. And then we have other older dogs. So my main core uh, for Iditarod was about 25 dogs. So it takes, uh, when you have the young dogs and the old dogs, and then all the dogs in their prime, it adds up to 70, which most mushers can understand that. It just doesn't take long to add up, but they all play a role. They all play a role in the, in the sled dog operation. The, the older dogs teach the younger dogs, and um, we really cherish and value the older, the older dogs that don't work anymore. We, in, the time, in times past, we've tried to find them pet homes, but uh, we realize they're happiest uh, to stay right where they've been their whole life and to hang out with the other sled dogs, and that's the type of environment where they feel the less stress the least amount of stress, so it's like not always fair to move an old retired dog to somewhere where they're they're not comfortable. It all depends on the home, though. If you can find really good, um, uh, really good people that want to, you know, take really good care of that, it, yeah, sometimes it can work out good to send dogs to a pet home, but uh, it all depends on the dog. So what's like your theme for puppy names? Themes for puppy names? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we have a litter of five. We named after rivers in the Northwest Territories because they grew up up here in the Northwest Territories. Um, so we have Liard and Roscoe and Keeley and Mackenzie. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, it's, yeah. So other themes have been... Uh, Oh, the Moana litter. We got uh, Maui and Hey Hey and Wayfinder. That's a fun one. That's cool. Uh, Paw Patrol, because my, my boy Clancy, he loves the Paw Patrol show on TV. So he, we named the litter after the Paw Patrol characters. So we have Chase and Marshall and Rocky. <laughs> and Chickaletta uh, and Sky and Zuma and Everest. Because there's eight in the litter. So that was a fun one. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so we know that three females finished in in the top ten this top ten this year. We think that's pretty cool. What are your thoughts on it? My thoughts are that is that is wonderful, but I'm not afraid to say that if you asked any one of those girls, Jesse Roy or Ali Zirkle. Or Paige draw me. I I know Jesse fairly well. I don't know the others that well, but they're in the Iditarod. They understand that the uh, rules are the same for everyone, and it's not so much about boy versus or you know boy and girl. Like they would never think that they have a disadvantage or because they're a female. Um, and I've they would consider themselves to be on equal par with with the men in the race. So it's it's not that, how do I say that? It isn't, it's a wonderful thing that women can compete equally with men in this sport, but I know for a fact they don't consider themselves at any sort of disadvantage because they're female. They just want to be known as, like, it, it's just, it's a human race. It's not a man and woman. It's uh, everybody's a person, you know, and they're they're on equal par with the rest of us. So it's it's not as big of a deal. 
and they would not want it to be as big of a deal as uh, people make it out to be. So it's not it's not actually that I don't it's not actually that big of a thing or big of a deal because they are just as capable and just as um, talented as the rest of us. You know, it's not that they're at any disadvantage at all. Uh, you know, I think it may be an advantage. I don't know. I've seen lots of uh, women um, have incredible, um, an incredible ability to go without sleep. I know my wife, for example, um, can go all night driving, <laughs> not blinking. You know, it's I have a, and I'm over there falling asleep. It's like I've seen that with other women too. So it's. I don't really see it as a different, anything different. I think we're all people, we're all human, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and, and they're no different. So. Yes, good answer. And I think that's a compliment to them in, in every respect. So. Yeah, we've, we've seen that those same thoughts on um, video interviews. Sorry, just repeat that one. I didn't quite catch it. Um. We've seen the same thoughts on in video interviews. On which video? Video interview? Insiders. Insiders. On the Iditarod website. And, and, they interview some of the mushers, and they have the same thoughts that it should be. There's no difference. They're male and female. Oh, okay. So you've, you, you've heard those same thoughts from other mushers? Yeah. 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 The Iditarod's pretty cool, and I think the media uh, makes too big of a deal out of um, uh, it's almost um, when you keep saying oh you know it's incredible how these women finish in the top 10 well it is incredible that anyone finishes in the top 10 it's not about whether you're male or female it's just incredible for anyone to finish in the top 10 doesn't matter if you're man or woman yeah do you think you'll ever try the Yukon Quest I would love to I've never run it before. I did run. It's always been closer to my. Uh, I don't know. It's because I've always followed the Iditarod from being a young boy. Just the the allure of the Iditarod being such a um, grand event. It's really fun to be part of such a grand event, and it is fun to be out there with lots of teams. I enjoy the company on the trail. Um, there are times when I like the solitary travel, um, but I do appreciate um, the camaraderie and the human connections on the trail. Uh, so on the Iditarod, you see way more mushers and teams, and there's way more checkpoints, so you meet more people. You meet more veterinarians, you meet more volunteers and checkers, and then local people that live in the villages, because there's so many villages that you go through. And you meet these local people, and it's really cool. And the quest um, can be a solitary uh, travel. I've known people that have run the quest, and they didn't see another dog team for 800 miles. Um, so it's a you know it's a different kind of challenge, and some people really enjoy that. They don't want to be near other people. Um, I can relate to that sometimes, but I would run the Yukon Quest as more of a um, training um race to prepare them for the Iditarod better like it would be I think it's it would be really beneficial and you see other teams that have been doing that for years like 
Allie Zirkel's team runs with her husband, Alan Moore, in the Yukon Quest every year, you know, and they come to Iditarod very well prepared. And Jesse Royer has been doing it. Uh, she did it this year. She ran dogs in the Yukon Quest, preparing them for the Iditarod. Um, yeah, it's been done by many people. To, and, it, and so I'd like to try that to see if it actually, I think it really would prepare the dogs better for the Iditarod if they went through the Yukon Quest first. Yeah. The next part of our show we call Lightning Round. We have five questions for you to answer as quick as you can. Are you ready? I'm ready. Favorite musher? Oh, <laughs> Jesse Royer. Favorite dog you own? Big Red. Favorite breed of dog? The Alaskan Husky. <laughs> Favorite sport besides mushing? Ultra running, tied with uh, Tour de France cycling. Our Miss Emon actually does that. Who does? Our teacher, Our teacher. Mrs. Emon. Okay. Cool. Favorite checkpoint? Unicleet. So this question we ask all of our guests. If you could go on a select dog trip with anybody living or dead, who would you choose and why? Out of the Iditarod mushers? Or anyone? Anybody. On a sled dog trip with anyone? Well, Mm -hmm. I would want to go... Hmm. I think it'd be fun... um, even though I don't know Ali Zirkel very well, uh, I do know they do all, they often do like um, hunting trips in the north part of Alaska at the end of the winter. And Jesse Royer has been known to do some fun adventure trips in you know north of Fairbanks at the later part of the winter. It'd be fun to join one of them on a uh, on a camping trip that was not in a race. That would be. I would look at it like, okay, what can I learn from this person? I'd like to go with somebody I could learn from. Somebody who's very experienced that would, um, you know, just go on a trip with the dogs outside of a race and just have fun. That would be cool to go with somebody like Ali Zirkel or Alan Moore, you know, who have a lot of uh, experience doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Finally, what is your favorite song on your iPod to listen to? Oh, my favorite song. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh, geez. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> again, I'm drawing a blank here. I'm drawing a blank because uh, trying to think what songs has to be a mellow song. Anything that's too, um, too upbeat or too uh, heavy metal, I can't stand it. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to. I, I don't have one for you. I'm sorry. That's okay. Maybe Country Roads, John Denver. I think that would, uh, yeah, that's a song. Country Roads by John Denver for sure because that's a song that's special to me and my family. It's a song that uh, my, my boy Clancy really loves and we sing it together um, a lot. So whenever I hear it, you know, especially when I'm out there on the trail alone, it uh, takes me back home uh, with my family. And so that, you know, is a little... Uh, 
kind of an emotional moment when I hear that song. Yeah, that's really cool. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Aaron, for being on our show this week, and we hope to see you in the I Did Around next year. Okay, well, hey, it was my pleasure. I think it's so cool that you girls are doing this. And um, where do we find your podcast? Like, how do I, is it on iTunes? You can, yeah, you can find it on iTunes. And we'll show you the link. Okay, and it's, and what's it called again? Husky, Husky Talk. Husky Talk. Husky yeah. Talk on iTunes, okay. Yeah, we'll be sure to send you the link. for it, and um, I want to listen to the other ones you've done with other mushers. Um, always looking for little tidbits of information that help me learn, and it's really awesome you girls are doing this. I'm really proud of you. That's so good, and thanks for considering me and, and being in touch. Appreciate it. Thank you. Special thanks to our guest, Aaron Peck, for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the Iditarod Trail song. Now enjoy a clip from Aaron's favorite song, Take Me Home, Country Roads by John Denver.